Father, thank you for your word as we approach your word today. And we deal with something so basic and so simple. I pray that um, we don't get lost in the familiarity of it. But I pray that um, your spirit speaks to us through your word today. Amen. The text for our discussion today um, was delivered a long time ago in a land far, far away. Turn your Bibles to Habakkuk. Now, I don't know about you, but I love Habakkuk. In fact, I um, it's one of my favorite books. I really wanted to name a child Habakkuk. Um, my wife really wouldn't hear of it. I was thinking Habby and Hammy. Wouldn't Habby be a fun name? That's not getting, not getting a lot of support for this. I'm not feeling very supported right now. Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a prophet that questioned God. Asked him four major questions. Um, and and um, that's what the whole book is about. But tucked away in chapter 2, the Lord answers Habakkuk. And He says, write the vision. Make it plain on the tablets so that he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It's not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. The righteous one, the righteous, will live by his faith. There is nothing more important in the universe. There's nothing more important. There's nothing, you know, your maybe your kids might be glad to hear this, but your science class is not as important as this verse. It is foundational to our understanding. How much of an athlete you are is not as important as this. For you as adults, it's important to go to work. It's important to, to provide for your family. It's important to care for your children. It's important to instruct them in things. But nothing. Hear me. I'm going to get excited here. You know, I don't usually get very excited. But this, this is the most important thing in the universe. Much more important than what college you choose. Because as you've heard me say before, in a hundred years from now, it's the only thing that matters. Where are you going to be in a hundred years? The righteous one will live by his faith. Wait for it. This is a message that's coming. I want you to write, write down the vision. The righteous one will live by his faith. I think in my mind as a child, I misunderstood the Bible. And maybe it was because some of the people who were teaching me misunderstood the Bible. But... I kind of 
always wondered, you know, how did the Old Testament saints become believers? How, you know, how do they get to heaven? Jesus Christ has not been sacrificed yet. So, oh, I know. They were saved by, by making sacrifices. That's why God had them make sacrifices is because that's the way they were saved. And they were okay if they made that sacrifice. Is that right? No, they made those sacrifices because they had faith. Someone who had faith would follow God's Word and follow Him in the, in the, in the message of the sacrifices that He explained to them. The only way there has ever been to become a believer, the only way to heaven is through faith. That's it. Point blank. There's no other way. We've talked on Wednesday night, and, and I, I would encourage you, just as, a, as an aside, to come be a part of our discussion. Um, I think it's very good, especially um, for teenagers and especially for uh, folks who just need some need a reminder just to value God's Word, and value studying it, value understanding what it's about, taking God at His Word. Um, it's a Wednesday night thing. Train of thought just lost me, left me. How did I bring that up? Okay, I'm coming back. The righteous shall live by his faith. Let's go to our text today in Romans. Romans chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 8 through 17. That's our text today. But I want to make sure that we get 16 and 17 um, nailed down first, and then maybe I'll go back and pick up some of these salutations and, and some of his longing and, and, and pull out some points from there. Uh, but I want, us to, I want us to major on verses 16 and 17. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the Son, in, in the gospel of His Son that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers asking that somehow by God's will I may at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have intended, I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I might reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel 
to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Aaron, could you join me up here for a second? Come around here. This is Aaron, everybody. Everybody, this is Aaron. Aaron, this is everybody. You doing right? Okay. I think that Aaron, let me ask you a question. Do you think that this chair will hold you up? You do? You believe that? You're pretty certain that this chair holds you up? Looks pretty sturdy to me. I could probably hold both of us. What do you think? Those ones in the back, not so much. I think that'd probably just be right at the limit. Do you think Aaron has faith in this chair? Possibly. I don't know if he does or not. Do you have faith in this chair? How would I know that? Do you know it won't break? You sure? Absolutely positive. You know me. I mean, I could have uh, weakened one of the legs. Just for the point of illustration. And I enjoy watching people fall down. Spend a lot of time on YouTube, you know, just watching lots of people fall down. How do we know whether or not he has faith in this chair? He sits in it? I think that's probably the only way for no, to know for sure. Do you have faith in this chair? Somewhat. <laughs> As this has progressed, he's thinking, what kind of guy is my uncle? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Somewhat. Do you have enough, do you have enough to, to try it? You do what you want to do. Thank you. Kiss it in. Faith isn't faith until it's exercised. Yeah, I think something happens inside your mind that you say, I'm going to jump. And right before you jump, you make that decision. You, you express faith. But faith is always followed by actions. If you flip over for just a minute, 
back to Hebrews. Commonly called the faith chapter in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. That's how old, old, old people in the Old Testament received faith or received salvation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gift. And he, and through his faith, although he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so he shouldn't see death. He was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists, and that He rewards those who seek Him. It goes on to talk about Noah, by faith, building an ark. Um, Jacob living in tents because he was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God, and, and, and other illustrations of faith. But I want to capture that, and I want us to, want us to clearly understand that without faith, it is impossible to please God. One of the five solas is faith alone. Now faith necessarily has actions. And we've read some of these passages even recently um, in, the, in, the book of, um, in the book of James. Faith without works is dead. It's not faith. It's not faith until... It is expressed. It's not of works, so we've got to be careful to we got to be careful to to separate that because you can take what I'm saying and say, well, wait a minute, are you saying that you have to do something to be saved? You have to do some good work to be saved? And I would say no, no, I'm not saying that, but I am saying you will do something. If you're saved, I don't know what your boat is. You know, Noah's boat was an actual ark of safety. I mean, he actually took wood, covered it with pitch. The dimensions are pretty clear in the Bible. I don't know if he put some curly cues around the edges because it looks like just a big box to me. Maybe it was just a big box. Um, certainly supernaturally handled by God because when you got volcanoes going on, up and uh, water spewing everywhere from the, from the earth and, and rain coming down from the sky, God would have to protect that ark, I would think, necessarily. Put the ark in a place where things are breathable even with all the... But, but, but Noah built a real ark. And by the way, you know, 
Creation Museum for building art. Love to go. So, some of you guys that like to plan things, let's plan something like that. That'd be good for the kids. Um, Noah built a boat because of his faith. Jacob left this very, very wealthy man who could have had nice, stable, mansion kind of things, wandered around in tents trying to follow God's will. I don't know what that means in your life. I don't, I don't know if at the end of my life somebody's going to say, by faith, um, Hamlet started a counseling business. By faith, he put his children through school. I hope they say that. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the ark is in your life. I don't know what the tents are in your life. But let me just say something. If your life isn't changed by your faith, then it's not faith. If you don't reach down deep inside yourself and say, what does God want me to do with my life? It's not faith. Now, I'm not up here pretending that you that I can find out the will of God for your life or that you can. But I will say, if you're a believer, then you'll exercise faith. And you'll, you'll do things. And sometimes you might do things that, that seem crazy to the rest of the world. Sometimes it might seem crazy to you. That's exactly right. But you will express your faith if you're a believer. I imagine, I don't imagine that building a boat was unusual for the people um, of Noah's day. I would guess that there would be plenty of boats, probably the technology to make boats. I'm sure it wasn't quite like Noah's boat, but, but, um, I think what they thought was crazy was the preaching. You know, Noah's going around preaching about this flood, judgment of God, wrath of God. And they're like, wrath of God? Things are going on like they've always gone on. You know, things aren't going to change. Why are we talking about this this God that's 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 vengeful and wrathful? You know, our gods are like nice. And, and and we can carry them around in our pocket. We can carry like this icon around with us. And I don't want that God of wrath. My God is a God of love. That's why I think they thought he was crazy. See any modern day parallels, parallels to that? In most of the world, the idea of preaching a message about God's wrath coming to this earth would be met by disdain. We don't want to hear about wrath of God, fire and brimstone. Let's let's be nice. Let's just talk about being nice and God being like your buddy that comes along behind you and like pads your pocketbook. And makes you feel good about yourself, and you have a lot of good self-esteem, and and everybody's getting a trophy, and you know, just kind of that's the kind of God that I want. People will say to you, but let me tell you something. 
As God revealed to His prophet Ezekiel, He said to Ezekiel, you're a watchman, a watchman on the wall for these people. And if you don't warn people about their sins and the consequences of their sins, that's on your head. If they don't, if they don't listen to you, you've discharged your responsibility. You've done your duty. If they don't listen to you, you know, if you listen to them, if they listen to you, then you saved them. Or they, they've been saved. If they don't listen to you, well, you've discharged your responsibility. In Romans, and I wish I could preach this message. Would have traded with Jason if uh, he hadn't been out of town this week. But this is the. Let me just dip into next week's uh, lesson. Verse eighteen: The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the wickedness. And men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Wrath is coming. What do we have? What do we, how can, let me just ask you this question. How can you prepare for the coming financial crisis? What can you do if food stores are um, cut off? And Walmart's truck doesn't run every day. What are you going to do? People are predicting those kinds of things, right? If you listen to the news. If you have, I mean, obviously our economy running it the way it is is unsustainable to continue to go that direction. So what are you doing to prepare for that crash? Let me tell you what to do to prepare for that crash. Let me tell you what to do to prepare for the wrath of God when it comes and it's coming. The righteous one will live by faith. I mean, it's probably smart to have some food put up. It's probably smart to buy gold and silver. And I'm not trying to give you a lecture about that today. But what's much, much, much more important and that is making sure your faith is in the right object. I'll tell you a quick little story that I'm sure many of you have already heard, so I'll try to tell it quick so I won't drag it out very much. I, I, I worked at uh, Bar H Hospital for a good number of years, and uh, one of the things that happened... On my, I lived in Daniels and drove, commuted into Beckley to the Bar H Hospital. And one of the things that happened pretty quick after um, <clears throat> um, I started working there is they decided to tear down the bridge that was there and build a new bridge. And what they did was erect this really flimsy wooden bridge very close to the water close to the creek and to kind of go down go around and down and across this wooden bridge and it was that kind of stuff and I'm thinking I don't know about this bridge and, and you know most bridges around here anyway have something on the side to keep you from like rolling off the edge this one didn't no, no, no structure on the side so here you are on this creaky wooden 
bridge, but you know, my boss has already fussed at me about being late. I'm sure you've never seen that trait in me, but I used to have some trouble with getting to work on time. Um, don't you laugh, Jamie. You came into this meeting at the exact same time I did. <laughs> um, but I needed to go across that bridge. You know what? Pull down onto that bridge and a little clown car across it. And I went to the other side. Went right to work. You think I had faith in that bridge? I had just enough faith in that bridge. Did, did my faith protect me on that bridge? Is it because I had so much faith that I was protected on that bridge? Why did I successfully make it across that bridge? Because it was a good bridge. It was a good bridge. And if you have a good bridge, you just need this much faith. In fact, Jesus said what? You have faith as small as a mustard seed. Now, mustard seed, plant them. Ooh, got a big bush. All came from that little seed. It's all you need. But you don't need to just have faith because the Silver Bridge in West Virginia crashed into the Ohio River. It was a new bridge. Everybody thought, I don't, I don't think, I'm going to say it this way, I don't think any, I'm guessing here, because I don't know, but I'm thinking no one had even a smidgen of doubt as they began to cross that bridge. They crossed it confidently, going to school, going to work. But it went right into the Ohio River. Anecdotally, they said that catfish as big as Volkswagens came up out of there when that bridge went down. People have told stories about that bridge. But it crashed right into the Ohio River. Was it people's faith that was the problem? No, the problem was it was a bad bridge. So you can have all the faith in the world that you want in Islam, in Buddha, in various and sundry different imaginary religions, which Paul will talk about as we go on in this chapter. You can have great faith in those. But if they're not right, it doesn't matter. It's not just about have faith. And that's kind of common. That's common wisdom. You know, when times are tough, you just got to have faith. No, not just faith. You got to have faith in a worthy object, have faith in a worthy person. That faith, exercise, seated, relying, relaxing. Let me tell you something. I've got no place to go because I'm, I'm really putting. I'm putting all my eggs in the Jesus Christ basket. I'm not like trying to play a little bit of Hinduism or trying to play a little in Islam. No, I got my eggs in the Jesus Christ basket. 
And let me tell you something. I don't have marvelous faith. You know, I doubt. I'm fearful. I have anxiety in my life. But I don't have to have all faith. Just to have to have a little bit. And He'll grow that faith. He grows the capacity of faith in your life. Let's go back up to verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the Gospel. What's the Gospel? Gospel. Evangelion. Good news. It's news. It's not... The Gospel is information. It's describing what's already happened. You know, I love the illustration of a king who takes his army out to meet the enemy far away from the, the castle keep, the castle walls. And so everybody's got the, the, the castle boarded up. They're hoarding food. They've got their the shutters on the outside of the wall closed, locked up. And the king wins the battle. And he sends a herald back to tell everybody, hey, the battle's over. We've won. The king has defeated his enemy. We're safe. That's news. I imagine there might be somebody in that city that's like, I'm not believing it until I see it. I'm keeping my wall. Sh- I'm keeping. I'm keeping my my door shut. I've got my family. We're hunkered down in the basement, um, drinking stale water. I'm not going out of this castle. No way. Why? Because they don't have faith. They didn't believe. They didn't accept it. But to the person who accepts it, guess what? Woohoo! I'm going fishing. The enemy's defeated. It's safe around here now. I can go out and tend my garden that's outside the city wall. Fresh corn tonight. You know, they're excited. They're living in what is reality. They haven't seen it yet. They're having faith. They're exercising faith in that reality. But it changes their behavior. When you've got that locked down, it changes your behavior. You can take risks. You can do things if you know that God has got your back. You can do things for God. You can do things in your life because of God, regardless of the consequences. Um, John MacArthur tells a story. See if I can get that to get to that real quick. John MacArthur says, one of my favorite missionaries is John G. Patton. He went to New Herbides filled with cannibals. When he arrived in New Herbides, he came to an island at the very moment when there was a terrible epidemic. People were dying of disease. It had utterly decimated the population. He went into the huts of 
sick people and tried to care for them. He buried the dead. He tended to the dying. And when the epidemic had passed, he was received by all and they loved him. He stayed with them. He goes on to describe, I'm not going to read you the whole thing. He goes on to describe that in their language, as he started to try to translate the Bible into their language, their language had no word for trust, had no word for belief or faith. It wasn't, I guess they're cannibals, they don't trust anybody. You know, trust no one, um, maybe is their motto. But they didn't have a word. And so he's living with these people. And um, he's just really frustrated and can't think about how to, how to communicate that to them. But then he started going deer hunting with them. And they shot a, a deer-like animal, some small game. Um, and uh, let's see how this goes. The weather was at the equatorial point in the globe. It was oppressive heat. The hill where they hunted was trackless and they finally arrived back to the to where the, the settlement and they were completely exhausted they dropped their heavy burden and all of them just flopped down on the grass one native said oh it's good to stretch yourself out here in the shade john patton shot off the grass and he said translated john 3:16 this way for god so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever stretches himself out on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's faith. That's faith. And that activates God's righteousness in your life. The righteous will live by faith. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news. There's no shame in that. Let me just tell you something. Sometimes people do things that are shameful and don't feel shamed. But let me tell you something. Facing God without His Son will be shameful. will be scary. Without Christ's sacrifice, He's not ashamed. He's not ashamed of the gospel. You know, an easy an easy caveat or application would be to ask you, are you ashamed of the gospel? Are you do you share freely the gospel with people? Are you the watchman on the wall that's warning people? You know, our society's really going 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 to the idea that you know, that's your truth. This is my truth. Um, you know, you don't push your religion on me. I won't push mine on yours, on you. So we might be tempted to kind of get along, go along, and stop this very important message of reconciliation because people, God's wrath is coming. And if you care about people, you need to explain that to them. Think we lose something when we lose the idea that wrath is on its way. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, but the gospel is 
the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It's the power, dunamis, where we get our is the Greek word we where we get our word for dynamite. It's powerful. The word of God is powerful. I'm reminded of the um, vacuum cleaner salesman that's uh, you, you've probably met a, a vacuum cleaner salesman, but um, he's very aggressively trying to sell his vacuum cleaners, and he goes into this woman's house, she invites him in, and he's you know talking about the specs of this vacuum cleaner and how many pounds of square inch of of uh, suction that it ha- it has. And he's explaining it to her, and, and she's trying to be kind, but trying to kind of tell him something. But she can't get a word in edgewise, and he's like so confident in this vacuum cleaner. He dumps a pile of ashes on the floor, and he says, "Anything that I can't, anything that can't, I can't suck up with this vacuum cleaner. I'll eat with my, I'll eat myself. I'll eat it myself with a spoon." And kind of pauses and waits for her reaction. And she said, Well, sir, I might should be go getting you that spoon because we don't have no electricity. So, when you don't have the power, you, you, you better better hold back. But the gospel is powerful. It's powerful in and of itself. It's the power of God. It's the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It will accomplish what it wants to accomplish. When God's Word goes out, it does not return to Him void. It accomplishes. Just like when rain falls and it goes into a stream and it is evaporated back to the clouds, it accomplishes what it's supposed to do before it returns to God. God's spoken word. God's spoken word is the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. Salvation is a good word. I think we probably use it so much in our Christian experience that it comes to mean things maybe it we don't even realize it. But I mean, it's, it's, it's rescue. We get rescued. What are we rescued from? The wrath of God that's coming. It's in the next verse. The wrath of God is coming. I don't know if the stock market's going to collapse. I, I really don't know. But I do know for a fact that God's wrath is going to be poured out on this earth. And I don't know if that's going to be in two years or 2,000 years. The Bible's not clear on that, in my opinion. But I can tell you for sure it's coming. It's coming. And facing God without faith, I promise you that's coming. There's not going to be any of us here in 100 years. None of us. I mean, like actually, we have we have one in the womb back there that you know 
lives to be 100 years old. That, that's a possibility, I guess. 150 years, we'll, get, we'll take care of that. But God's wrath has to be poured out. It's justice. That's, that's what's right. What's right is that sin get punished. Sin is an affront to God. It's separated us from God. It has it is caused death in us, spiritually, physically. And it must, it's, it's God's righteous wrath that's coming. But the Gospel is the power of God for rescue, for salvation to everyone, everyone, everyone who believes. Mustard seed belief? Yes. Absolutely. Good enough. I, you know, it's all in God anyway. Mustard seed? I'm not, I'm not 100%, but I have faith in God. Yes, that'll do. Credited, ching ching, as righteousness. You get Christ's righteousness with faith. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. He's gonna, as he, as Paul develops his argument, he's going to, he's gonna, he's gonna make us all realize that we don't have any excuse. Um, but he is gonna point out that you know the Jews have the Old Testament scriptures. You know they they have gotten God's word straight from God. They've got prophets, and the Gentiles, the Greeks. Don't have that kind of witness. So God's shown Himself to the Jews first. But listen to that beautiful phrase. And also to the Greek. Also to us. Also. Also. It's not even next, but it's also. We get... We get what the Jews got. We get that. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith, for faith. Stop with me and just think for just a second. What is the righteousness of God? I don't think we have a shelf to put that on. I think we're so used to sin. I think we're so used to our family members who sin, our employers who sin, our minds that are just turned in a crooked way. We're so used to it. We wouldn't know. I mean, I don't know that we'd even recognize. I think we would recognize. Let me me not say it that way. We would recognize righteousness. I don't know if we'd know how to act, I guess. In a perfect world, can you imagine that? That's what those who believe the gospel are heirs to. They're heirs to the righteousness of God. God's going to see us the same way He sees His Son, and He loves His Son. Very much loves His Son. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous 
shall live by faith. Allie and I were coming home from soccer practice earlier this week, and I saw lightning like I had, I don't know, never seen lightning. Was that Friday night? Was that when that lightning storm came through? Whew. Did y'all see that lightning? I'm not kidding you. I usually don't stress about weather. You know, I usually don't stress about driving in weather. Um, You know, I figure... You know, a bunch of scientists sitting around in a room figuring out how to make my car safe, and for the most part, it's going to work. I've got a lot of faith, usually, in that. But I'm going to tell you something. That lightning storm, it scared me. I mean, it was like, you know, just like lightning everywhere. It's powerful. I can remember, you know, Allie and I got to the house, and of course, Gina's texting me, where are you? And I'm trying to call Lauren because she's behind me. And I'm saying, you know, I want to tell her, don't come, just stay wherever you are. Don't drive on the roads. Because um, it's scary. And I, I literally left my bags, left my iPad. Of course, I leave my iPad everywhere. But um, I left it sitting in the car. I don't even know. No, I got my phone. I had my phone on my side. Maybe in my hand. But I got, I was racing for that. Then I noticed that Gina's car window was down. So I raced around and turned the car on, raised her window up, because it was already getting pretty wet, but, um, and I raced and got into the house, and I was like, whew, okay, that was kind of upsetting. Why am I telling you this story? God made that lightning. He's a lot bigger and scarier than lightning. In fact, the Bible describes people who have seen Jesus transfigured, they said His clothes were like lightning. God's big. He's he's scary. I mean, yes, He loves you. And He demonstrates that love in His Son. But He's a big God. And He's really mad about sin. And so, what I want to tell you is take shelter in faith. Take shelter in God's Word. Take shelter in Christ's righteousness. And the way you get that is by expressing faith in Christ Jesus. And it's the power of salvation. The Gospel is powerful to me having been a Christian for, I don't know, 30 plus years. Maybe even 40. I don't know. I guess probably 40. The Gospel, I still need to hear that news. I still need to be reminded of that news every day. I need to open the pages of Scripture and see that Gospel and see the power of God. Because you want that power supporting you. You want that power in an ark. You want that power protecting you. You don't want the wrath of God. And it's coming. Warn people. Tell your friends. If you don't tell your friends, you're probably not really friends with them. Let's back up and just... I'm going to make just a few comments on this passage above it. 
maybe even pull out some character qualities that we see here in Paul. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Paul's thankful. He's thankful for the faith that he sees in other people. How many different faiths are they that he are there that he is thankful for? Yeah, just one. People may think uh, that you're kind of a arrogant exclusion exclusive. You're in an arrogant exclusive club if you tell them that Jesus is the only way. But it turns out you are in a exclusive club. I wouldn't say arrogant. In fact, I'd say the opposite. But this is a this is an exclusive thing. Thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son. That without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will, I may at last succeed in coming to you. Paul's concerned about these people and he is praying for them a lot. You pray about things that are important to you, don't you? What's important for us to pray about? Let the Holy Spirit answer that question. Always in prayers, that somehow that I may come to see you, I long to see you, that I may impart some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, he wants their faith to be strengthened. And then he goes on to describe that in the way Paul does. And I'll tell you, Paul is awful hard for me to understand. You know, I kind of like the, the James and the Johns that are pretty straightforward. Paul's got like this huge. 15 run-on sentences all together in one sentence. And I'm not saying that to be disrespectful of Paul. I'm just saying he's got a lot of things going on in his mind when he starts talking because he gives this segue and that segue and this segue, you know, all, all, all off the main point there. And that's one of those right there. But he says that you and I could be encouraged by our faith. He's not, he's not saying, I'm the apostle. I'm just going to be the one that imparts this wisdom and spiritual gift to you. No, he's saying that we can be mutually encouraged by our faith. Our faith, And that's really true if we do that as a body of Christ. If we take the time to share with one another. You know, you've got... You children that are here, you've got stuff that you're going through, that you're thinking through, that can encourage me in faith. Your teenage girls have something that can encourage me. We're in this together. I'm not an apostle. I know I'm in. I know we're all in the same. Our faith is what he says. A spiritual gift to strengthen you. And he goes on to say, I want you to be unaware that I've often intended to come to you, but have been prevented so far uh, in order that I may reach 
reap some harvest among you as, as well as the rest of the Gentiles. And, and, and see sovereignty of God there. Here's Paul the Apostle that wants to do something. And in fact, Paul the Apostle was, going, was headed east. He was headed to Asia. And he got flipped around through a vision and he went to Macedonia. And you know, Macedonia sent the Gospel to all these dramatic tribes which became England, Great Britain, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. And eventually, people started coming to the New World, to America. Had the gospel, had Paul done what he wanted to do, we would be getting missionaries from China instead of us sending missionaries to China. Of course, we're in such disrepair now in the world. I think that's probably what's going to happen. Is China's going to be start sending missionaries back here. But um, that's that's us. I mean, that that switch of the spirit brought the gospel to most of us who are here in North America. Thank you, thank you, God, thank you. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you who are also in Rome. Paul told Timothy, preach the gospel. I'm telling you, preach the gospel. What is the gospel? It's news. It's good news. Preach it to each other. Preach it to your father. Preach it to your mother. Preach it to your spouse. We've got to remind ourselves. Not only is the power of salvation at a point in time, but it's the salvation that sustains us, that keeps us away from the wrath of God. Preach the Gospel. For I'm not ashamed of the Gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, and Habakkuk, the righteous shall live by faith. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Paul's teaching. Thank you for his heart for these people in Rome and for also us. Thank You for sending the Gospel throughout Greece and spreading it into Europe and across to North America. Thank You for not having to live under the oppression of, of Satan and able to break free and accept Your Gospel, which is really the only thing that matters. I pray for us as a body. I pray for um, us as adults, I'm not so I'm not so naive to to not understand that there very well may be adults among us who have not exercised faith in your Son and His sacrifice. Father, may you show them that. May you reveal yourself to them. May they be redeemed. And certainly, pray for the children that are present here today that they wouldn't just 
follow their father's religion, but they would have a intimate, faithful, faith, faith encounter with you, Father. And may they build their arcs or travel around in tents, offer sacrifices, whatever it is that you are calling them to do. May they live their lives in faith. Thank you. Amen. We're going to have a meal. Please feel free to stay and eat. Didn't bring any. I've got some soup beans back there that you can uh, you can eat some of them soup beans. Some of those soup beans. <laughs>